there's the duality of my child has to know yeah. that's still not the space for you to be in. Yeah. But like, where do I get to then build in? Here's what you get to do. Welcome, welcome. Hey, we back, man. What's up, brother? You, man. What's going on? Man, we uh, got a special guest. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. This is, um, well, first off, thank everybody for continuing to support and tune in and listen and love and, and help and grow and all that. All seven of y'all. Yeah, all seven. <laughs> we, we appreciate it. You know, we, we actually got two new subscribers over oh, the past week, so. Oh, we ought to come up. That's a uh, 30% the increase. Drink, no, drink. no. Give Drake numbers. It's 40%. I need that. We, we got to give us that 10, dog. That's right. I can do mad pretty good with my head. Next, you, next thing you know, man, we're going to be at 20. That's when That's when we're going to change. We're going to live, dog. We're going to splurge, pop bottles, pop Perrier. Buying yachts. Mm-hmm. So our special guest is one of the most important people in my life. From the time I met her, what was it, 15 years ago? Absolutely not. Dang. It was like 11. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like 25 no. years? No. No, because I, I was still married. 12? It's a little bit more. My kids are 15. You didn't know me. They were about, th well, right. They might have been like four, three. Anyway. Yeah. From the time that I met her, I knew she was special. We just had an instant connection and just really became um, brother and sister really quickly. And we've been there for one another. I find her to be one of the most interesting, smartest, you know, most community-focused and the best mother I have met out of any of the mothers that I had. And I know some awesome moms, not no knock on any of the other moms, but um, wanted to bring you on as kind of like our, our first female guest, um, Ashay, our ma. Hey, give her a hand, man. Thank you she for doesn't on, like attention unless she wants it, mm. so I know she's extremely uncomfortable. No, it's actually the opposite. I am just taking it in. I don't. Take it all in. No, no one gets enough acknowledgement in their life, and that's real. Maybe if we took in what we got, it would feel like it landed. So thank you for that. Yeah. And I'm honored. I'm really honored to be the first person that you all, the first woman that you all invite on the show. Happy to have you. That meant. <clears throat> We are extremely, as loose as this shit is, we are extremely <laughs> intentional with most of what we do. Um, and making sure that we had someone to just represent the, not to say you represent all women, you're not a monolith like that or anything like that, but I, I hold you in such high regards and you've helped me be a better man just by helping reflecting some of the things that I've struggled with in terms of the male-female relationship that I thought it would be, you know, really good to just have you on and highlight you and talk about, you know, some of the things that 
that are going on and, 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 that, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And you're smart and sharp. Beyond I try not to be slight. Yeah, well. Did I do that right? See? Yeah, you Listen. did good. You did it good. Listen, you got to be slight to be sharp. But, you know, that's that other half. You got to have. Yeah, what would it be? You got to dip set it. We ain't even going to talk about your knowledge of dip set <laughs> or lack of. Please. So you have a broad experience base. You're a mother, you're a woman, you're a teacher, you're a healer. Um, can you talk just briefly a little bit about, you know, kind of like where you, you know, kind of started and how you changed your perspective as the kids have grown and as your um, life situation has changed and that sort of thing? And I'll kind of come in a certain part. Sure. Um, I've been called Mama Shay since I was 20. I didn't even, wasn't aware that I'd even ever become a mom to, you know, by birthing children. That was never, like, <laughs> on my agenda. <laughs> but I think always having children in the house, always um, loving to cook, loving to bake, crocheting, like all these things that, you might associate doing later when you have children. My group of friends and I were always doing things and tending to other people, and so Mama Shea became my nickname. And Mama Shea is what the young people in my life call me now. Um, so my boys are 15. So I've been co-parenting um, for 15 years. And it's been, I really like them. <laughs> They're very cool. They're really, they, you know, they're identical twins. Mm -hmm. And, um, First grade, their dad and I were like, it was a, it was really episodic. We had talked about homeschooling, mm -hmm. and then one day it was like, they're teaching Christopher Columbus to build the ocean blue in a little diddle. Mm. And it was a substitute teacher, and dad happened to go in that day, and he was like, we can't do this. Mm. Um, so I became a homeschool mom and be a homeschool dad. And we had already been separated at that point. Um, we just figured out how to journey our lives around what that would look like. That's deep. Yeah, because I think everybody with kids, well, black people, I don't know, maybe not. I know I've had that similar experience where I'm sitting in class or Simon comes home and you're looking at it like, there's no way that this makes sense. And even, you know, my youngest, you know, because uh, there I had to take him out of quote unquote public school because he came home with a Simon where you have to find your ancestry. Right. So you had kids that are Italy and kids that are Poland and kids that are, you know, uh, wherever, Switzerland. Uh, but this kid is like, what is that? I mean, I, you know, where are we from? And I can't I mean, I can do the ancestry thing, but it's a deeper story than that, because we're not yeah. West African. In the sense that, you know what I'm saying? In that broad. Right. In that cultural sense of West African as it stands now. But some Italians are still, even though they're American, they're still very, they still are connected to that culturally. We are connected subconsciously, but not in the same. Anyway, make a long story short. And when I talked about it with the teacher, they couldn't get it. They couldn't mm -hmm. understand, you know, they sort of accepted it, but they really couldn't understand what was happening. And that's not their fault. I mean, shit, they don't know. Um, but I knew then that it has to be a shift. 
So, and yeah. I think a lot of black kids experience that. Experience that. Some are blessed enough to be able to be homeschooled. Some are blessed enough to be able to transfer to a different yeah. environment. Some have to really go through it, and that becomes internalized. One of the things I've always respected about your parenting approach is that I feel like it, a lot of it is extremely like intentional and from the decision that you know you and the pops made to do the homeschooling thing I mean like you had other stuff that you wanted to do and the idea that you were going to suspend some of those aspirations so that you can and not to say you you did that because I feel like, let me rephrase that. Let me ask a question. Yeah, let her talk about that. Because What that's was it about that that made you actually want to shift and, and forego all of those individual aspirations to dedicate being a full-time, you know, school, teacher. homeschool right. teacher? teacher? And what, what was the process of that? Sure. Um, I remember... Mumu Fresh, right? So she's homeschooled her son too, and they're around the same age as my. His, her son's around the same age as my boys, and um, I remember hearing her say one day, "I don't have time for him to hate himself." Mm. Hmm. I'm not, you know, maybe that's not a direct quote, but like the idea that if I, what I'm going to invest in this child is going to be love, community, culture, at any cost, mm. and it's not a sacrifice. That's just the choice. Yeah. When I chose to nurse them, because I, co- I nursed them till they were 18, 17 months, I just made a decision one day, hell or high water, right? I'm going to nurse these boys. And boy, did I fight through that, right? Like that was hardest thing I've ever done <laughs> was trying to nurse twins. And at the end, I don't remember how hard it was. I remember that I did it. Mm. Um. So, he said, "I don't have time to, for these boys for this boy to hate himself." Yeah, so my boys um, are just—they made the choice. Well, Dayla made the choice that he wanted to go to high school this year. So they're start, they started tenth grade a couple weeks ago. Public school. Public school. First time. I am an advocate of public schools, public funding, educating children. That was never what Bomaani and I didn't want, right? Um, we just, it's its a curriculum that will never support who we are, right? When you talk about who it's taught by, who it's put out by, how it's the agenda is pushed. And so we thought in the formative years, let's give them what they need. And so now I'm watching them take these other languages and take these other classes. And sure, the desire may have been let them, let us homeschool and cater to what we want them to have. And that's, that opportunity would have been wonderful, but they got to a point where they wanted something different, and we felt like the foundation had been set for that. So I I just moved my focus, right? So there's always there was always these lenses of things that I was doing, but I just turned my focus to them. And my, my lenses are now starting to turn in other places again mm-hmm. as they get older. Mm-hmm. So it still means I write. It still means that I um, you know, organize. It still means that I teach um but what they need from me has shifted particularly as young men now right so this is the age of rights 
I don't participate in that part, right? Becoming a man is the journey that they go on with the men. And so we were also very, very clear about putting African men, putting black men around them, surrounding them from a very young age around that. Um, the music, the clothing, all of the culture we wanted to be the bedrock of how they grew up. And um, that part was simple. It wasn't easy. Yeah. Right? And, I, you know, people are saying, oh, you're from California. Why did you leave? Or why don't you ever go back? Because I grew up in Orange County, California, where it was a cultural wasteland. Mm. <laughs> I would have never chosen to. It would have never been my intention to have my boys reared the way that I was reared there. I loved how I grew up in retrospect. Mm -hmm. Right? But thinking about, you know, no one really knows how many times we had to deal with skinheads mm. or... Orange County's highly divisive, racially aligned, and so skinheads within in your community and the ways and where you was moving, or you think they came from? I mean, this is this was Reagan land, yeah. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. You know, like it was very yeah. clear we were the only black family on the street. And then when the other black family came to the school, my grandma was like, "The house for for sale across the street. It's yours. Buy it." She told that family, and they moved, and we had another black family on the block. Wow. You know, like that was how right. I grew up. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a misconception, just to 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 for that that the quote unquote suburbs and the quote unquote like uh, uh, liberal suburbs are this uh, like are about inclusion and and being progressive and everybody's we all in this together and you know this is a better, but it's really. It's, it's a city, like the cities, the problems in the city are the same problems, but they're just flipped a little bit. Yeah. So now you have, instead of black kids or, 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 or having these problems or causing the, or whatever, or dealing with this stuff, it's just now they're dealing with race in a different way. It, you, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's wild. And it's, a black and, it's a, and it's a weird perception that that's not the case. Right. It's the reason why all the black kids find each other at the lunch table. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and still do. Yeah. yeah. Because still even do. when we think about <clears throat> integration, folks, and I'm not, I don't want in any way to make it seem like I'm discrediting all the work that went to um, the agenda to make this world better for people and easier for people to survive and live in. But when you listen to like the written record of what people were fighting for, when required integration happening, it was that we want our children to have access to the same things mm -hmm. that some other kids have. Like, mm -hmm. we need the books, right? We need the funding. And the only thing we can think about is that it's over there, right? Yeah. As if we have what we need here, and the, the, the idea was that just give us what we need, or let's figure out how to get what we need. Mm -hmm. And the solution became, well, then we have to go over there. Integration. Which was never the request. Right, yeah. Right, the black church is taking care of us. Like there yeah. would be nothing in this country without the black church, right? And it's why everybody, no matter where you go to school, most of us still go where. If you go to church, you don't yeah. just go to any church, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? right. There's some specific demands right. that you have and things of community. So what religion and community um, have been to this country is so essential because it was how we belong. In ninth grade. My high school, I, s I came home one day and I was like, if you make me stay in this high school, so my mom, I'm not going to make it. Mm. 
and this is I'm an A student. I'm I'm super involved. I'm the you know the ninth grade class vice president. I'm I'm trying to fit in. Mm. And I we talked about this yesterday. But the opposite of fitting in is belonging. Yeah. I wow. was trying to make myself be anything I could to fit in, and I really just wanted to belong. Take, mm. so break that down a little bit. Yeah. Because that's, that's, a, that's a heavy statement. Give me an example of, of sort of what you've, what you've been through in that space. I, I grew up with a different name than everyone. Right? Mm. I grew up with a family that speaks Portuguese, speaks Creole. I'm Cape Verdean, and so they'd look at me and they'd go, her mama looked like that, her grandparents looked like that, but she looked a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a place that I was special. Oh, you can use this so well, or you speak so right, so mm. all of that. Mm. And I and those became markers for me. I have to speak this well. I have to do this well. I and those served me in in a lot of ways. But if I had been in a place, you know, I started seeking out who I was real young, right? Like. As soon as those African medallions came out, you know, I was was on it, right? Right. Like, (laughs) who who do I I get to be when I figure out who I am? Mm. Um, And my mother was so poignant about that, too. My mother could have easily, you know, my family's from New Bedford, Massachusetts, we're Cape Verdean, and my mother could pass. She could have. My grandfather in the military, you know, we we didn't talk much, but... Grandpa's name. Emmanuel um, Bernard Silva. Um, he lived 90, 91, 90. My grandparents lived both in their 90s. I've, I've wow. been uh, very blessed to have a long-living bloodline. Um, he went to the military just before he graduated high school, a couple months before, jo- joined the Army, and got put into an all-white unit. And he went to whoever and said, I'm black, <laughs> and got moved. <laughs> Green eyes, light skin, and he just like, I don't want to be with them. I want right. to be with my folks, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, but like that's that's where I come from. So my mother was like, What magazines, what pictures, what calendars, what do we have to have in this house for us to know, for you to know who you are? Right. What movies are we gonna watch? Where are we gonna go? So like she would drive me to LA, like weekly. My church was in LA. My hair got done over here, my you know, and so we lived in Orange County. This is like mm. a 45 minute drive to anything that I wanted to do because she was like, that's where it is. That We're going every Kwanzaa. I've been celebrating Kwanzaa before most people knew what it was. Nice. We'd go to Lamert Park every Kwanzaa and yeah. we would go to the shops. And that's where we get our, you know, our cards for the year. And that's where we get our, I had black angels. Everybody I know had white angels. I had those Hallmark angels. My mama yeah, felt y'all black. Were early, y'all were early to the game. That's right, probably right. Discovery, discovery process for her too. Yeah. So as you were doing it, she was sort she of was, doing the same And again, for thing. her, not easy, but like it was this, what I want is simple, and this yeah. is what I'm going to get. And so when I changed high schools, it changed my trajectory. So fit in versus belonging, through the process of trying to figure out who you were, did you find that you ended up fitting in when what you really wanted was belonging or the other way around? I didn't know that I was trying to fit in. I later I learned belonging looks like I get to be who I am mm. and I'm accepted. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and through the process, what 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 moms was doing and all of the the, the, the cultural things that that you were being exposed to, 
through that you were defining who you were. Absolutely. My mom, I was in college. I went to Tuskegee University for undergrad and my mother would send these care packages and they would have how to raise black boys as a little flyer <laughs> or insert or a book. And I'd be like, okay. You know, it was like, <laughs> you know, I'm 17 years old. I'm taking classes and I'm pulling out stuff on like, you know, this date in African history. And I'm like, I'm in college, mom, getting right, this. this is, <laughs> but right. she was just like, nope, this is what you need. This is what you need. Um, you know, maybe somewhere no one I'd eventually go on to raise two African men, yeah, two black yeah, boys, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, Do you feel like you're... I like the concept of the fitting in versus yeah. belonging. Yeah. Because fitting in, just so we can... Fitting in, meaning you're forcing yourself, you're trying yeah. to shed who you are to be accepted. Yeah, I'm going to be whatever being, everybody else is so exactly, I can be here. Exactly. Or sometimes it's what you think everybody else wants you to be. And, and that's what and this I is a, heard you say when you were talking about speaking well, um, being articulate, being smart, and all of these things. Those things came natural to you. So uh, as you were talking, this is what I'm hearing you say. So that is kind of like a part of fitting in but it might not necessarily relate to belonging because that's kind of like a deeper a deeper discovery into who you are and if you don't if you're not in an environment that helps dig deeper mm-hmm. you can you can operate on that surface mm-hmm. relatively easily right. mm-hmm. and let's be clear it's not like you know it's a one walk dog i don't just now everywhere i go i figure out how to belong right <laughs> I mean, like, one of the struggles I'm coming out of as a homeschool parent is what, where do I belong now? Mm. What's my community? And not that I'm, you know, dismissing that community. No, I'm, I'm still a loving heart, but I'm just not intimately involved. So my roles are changing. And every, you know, every shift that we go through with, you know, new jobs and career paths, new relationships, you know, when we enter something new, it is that mm-hmm. conversation Mm-hmm. Can I belong? Is this place where I can find belonging? And you, and as you go, th- as you grow and go through those things, you become like you add more to yourself. So the things that you were used to those years ago don't really fit you now. I mean, your outlooks are different. The way you look at things could adjust as you grow. So those same where you belong before might not be. Right. Where you belong now. Maya Angelou, I wish I knew the quote. Maya Angelou has a fabulous quote on belonging, and it really is about belonging everywhere, which is nowhere. Mm. Right? Like, we, we belong to everything. And, right. and the moment we turn our belonging in, like, I belong here. Yes. Right? So my boys know you belong to you first, and right. then you belong in this home. So whatever's happening outside right. there, right? whoever, whoever you have to whoever you're putting on and figuring out through this time, you know that you belong here. Yeah. It's the same conversation their dad and I had about, like, when you're teaching young people about um, keeping their bodies safe. There isn't anything that you can come and tell us someone did that would make us love you less or Mm -hmm. trust you less or, you know what I mean? Like, you are ours. And so, like, when home is the place that you belong first, you feel safer to figure out where you yeah. belong in the world. I, and I you know, and that's, and that's deep because, you know, I think that is what most parents want to tell their children or 
instill in their children, but a lot of times, a lot of them don't know how to really articulate it in that way. Like they want to, they want you to understand that this is your, this is where you are. This is who you are. And you take this and you give it to the world. You don't let the world then define who you are and bring that into here. You go, go the opposite way, but it starts in at home. It starts with what you have here. It starts with this and then you build out. Um, or you, you know, you sort of give it to it. But I don't think that a lot of times that can be sort of explained in that way. So and it's I not think gotten so in much the same pressure way. on parents. I mean, in one of your last episodes, you all were talking about no parent like looks at the baby and goes, I want you to work at Harris Teeter, right? <laughs> and, um, Shout out to Harris Teeter. He said that. Shout out to life. Shout out to life for being mean to parents. But, you know, there was this exercise we did when I was doing these youth development trainings, and it was called the Dear Little Exercise, and you had these these adults that were working with young people write a letter to some dear little, some kid in their Mm. program. Pick the one, whoever time you walk in the door, your blood pressure goes up, Mm. right? Pick the one that when they come to your office, you'd be like, what is it going to be today, right? right? And write that dear little. And imagine what it was like for them to be an infant and all the hopes and dreams and wishes their family had for them, mm. right? That's who you work with. That's that child at that door, yeah, right? Yeah. And the world says, ha, ah, great, but you also got to be smart and you got to be, mm-hmm. got to play an instrument and let's add a sport in there. Yeah. And you should be funny and you should have good character and yeah. make sure you dress right and let's get mm-hmm. your hair, you know? And so it's like, you belong here as long as... Yeah. Right. Alanis Morris has a great song about it. Just like as long as you're perfect. Right. Mm. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And really, yeah. my grandmother, Alice Silva. I was going to say, you got, when, when, yeah. when we, when we, <laughs> God That's bless, right, when, we, when we talk about all these, right. they some beautiful souls. My grandparents are here with us. Um, yes, they are. Yep. Shout out to them. Alice Ramos Silva um, raised the name. Loved her. Ice cold. Coke Coke. Don't bring no lukewarm coke to you're the house. Get I, out. You gonna get cussed out three <laughs> languages. So she she would have been a hundred years old last Wednesday. So wow. we celebrated. We got a cake. We had Coca Cola. Cold Coca Cola. Um, strongest woman I know. You know, riding a bike was like I'm about to deliver this baby. Got to the hospital in a cab. I got the baby's head. You know, four foot eleven, hundred pounds, soaking wet, mm. and just kept it moving. Right. Mm. So she. And her husband, I know, bought a house in California, raised the grandchildren, you know, grew up in that home. My mom lived in Massachusetts until she was 17. But the neighbor across the street was her, my grandmother used to babysit her. And um, she came home and said to her mother, I'm I'm pregnant in high school. And her mother was like, you know, I think she might have been 15 years old, 14 years old. And um, after their conversation, they thought adoption would be the best option. Let's go tell Nana, right? So my grandmother was part of the next conversation. Just to tell the community, you're going to see us <laughs> go through the process of her <laughs> yeah. being pregnant. Yeah. And, um, my grandma said, keep the baby. Mm. No business of her own, right? But <laughs> she said, what you got to do? She's talking to the parents now. Like, you're about <laughs> to retire. <laughs> you know, like, it's a baby. Like, what's the baby? And not that this is, like, we can be dismissive of this conversation, yeah, yeah. but... Yeah. My grandmother's point was like, I watch you, you know, I, I, I watched her grow up, bring the baby to me. Mm. You know what that girl did? She had the baby. She brought the baby to my grandmother. The, the mother went on to get her master's. The daughters graduated from high school, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. My grandmother saw a possibility there. Wow. Yeah. That's heavy. Right? 
the family could have still have decided the best option for them was, yeah. but they trusted there was possibility there too. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's crazy. And when you've lived long enough, you have enough instances in your life where you can see the other side of mm-hmm. the thing. And it's yeah, similar yeah. to what you yeah. just said when you were talking about, you know, now I just think about what I did. I don't think about all of the, the challenges that were a result of it. And we make so many decisions about things based on an anticipated or projected level of of difficulty, not realizing that that's going to be so much less in the grand scheme of the story than what you're going to actually have on the other end. Because if you've thought about it, like now, like I just thought about, you know, I just... Sacrifice. I just did what I had to do. Now, I think a part to 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 keep in mind, especially for the individual, like in your kitchen situation, is there's a cost associated with all of the decisions, mm-hmm. and and that cost can be more than you're willing to pay. It can, and and what I feel for you when you're what I, in your instance when you're saying. Um, from the homeschooling community and the different things that you've that you've had to do, you're still a woman. You still had goals. You still had aspirations. You still had things that you were focused on. So that that you had to abrupt in a way to do these things. That you just put your head down. It's all about the boys, co-parenting, homeschooling, and all of that. I put my head up. Well. Yeah, okay. I mean, no, I get what you're saying. Like, sometimes we say, put our head down and da da No, and that, like, that is, like, the grind of the work that you do, sure. But I had to go. There's a way. Yeah, and, 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 and I meant that just in terms of focusing on, on this thing of... But I mean it the same way, too. I well, didn't say, like... Yeah. Th- th- and... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Because I, I didn't want to split hairs on it. I just wanted to let you know that I... I was saying what you're saying, and then okay. you said no. I'm saying what you're okay, saying. Okay. So we're, we're saying. The I same just thing. want the split hairs <laughs> to be a little bit nugget there because, like, I it's a conversation we've had before too. Like, you always you don't know how it's going to get done, right? So sometimes we are when we're putting our head down, we've got to fo- we're focusing on the how. How do I get this done? How to the conversation I was in was it's going to get done. Mm. So pay attention to where it shows up that it's going to get done. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and you had that perspective. At 20? Yeah, I did. I probably had it clearer then. Clearer? Clearer. So you see, so you moved in this sense with the, with, the, with the limited experience that you had, that you just, in something inside of you, was just like, stuff always works out. I was born a Sag. Okay. <laughs> right, where like, you know, if I think about, um, I want to go back to a point, and I'm going to bring me back to the Sag point. The story I brought up of my grandparents and my grandmother and that young lady was for me to showcase that that was that's the kind of belonging I grew up in. That's what I was going to say. Right. So to bring it full circle, it has nothing really to do with that. The specifics of that woman and her choices. It was that I belonged in a family that where everyone belonged and everything could happen. Mm, Okay. Where there was a possibility for it to just be. It is what it is. I'm glad you went back to that because that that does bring it home. Yeah, because because. I mean, at 20, the only, re- the only way you would know 
that it'll work out is the fact that you belong, that you grew up in that space, knowing yeah. that everything can work out. So yeah. the itch at 17 when I graduated was, get me out of here. I want to go out in the world and figure out where else I belong. Yeah. Right? And I, that itch has never been scratched. Like, I just, I mean, it's never ceased. I'm yeah. always like, where else? What else? So people that know me are like, what else do you do? You keep saying, I do this, I do that. Because I've always been like, there's somewhere else. There's yeah. something else. Mm. Um, How old were you when you had the boys? Twenty-seven. Okay. I think I got married at twenty-two. Had them at twenty-seven. Um, so yeah. the archer, right? The Sagittarius is like the image of the archer pulled back, right? Holding this bow, and most of us focus on where it's going, what direction it's pointing in, right? But I feel like, and I've come to understand, like the tension, the hold like the weight of the bow, the weight of like what uh, what do I have to do right now in order to get there is where I'm focused. Yeah. And I was born in winter, so like winter's the season of waiting, the season of stillness, so the season of deep waters. So I'm comfortable in that. The spring part of me, because we all have all these different elements, wants to go into action, right? Like, I want to hit the target. But the winner that's pretty natural to me is, like, wait for it. And mm. just hold. Hold your focus and your intention. And that was why I was making the point about, like, looking up. Like, I'm always, like, I don't know how this is going to get done. And as a result, I've been homeless. I've been without a car. I've, I, I've you know don't have the house that others have. I, like there's, there's a financial part that I put at risk. Um, but that didn't take away from my life. Mm -hmm. It actually still created possibility for me. Um, and I'm beginning to see that part more. And I'm beginning to give myself permission to allow that part to be okay. Because that hasn't always been so. Mm. So, winner waiting, spring, spring into action, move. As your brother on the outside looking in, I feel you're more on the winter side than the spring side. Would you agree? Depending on part of the day, depending on part of the year. What do you mean, current state in general? Just, just, just a person. I mean, that all day I, we go through different cycles of season, but like right now, so we're right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> for your no, for your viewers, right this now. is our. <laughs> you know what I'm dynamic. talking about. No, well, yeah. I'm just in general, like, like me, so, my personality. So, like your 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 personality is a waiting personality, one where it's like, and it wasn't until you just said what you just said to where it like made sense and connected the dots of all of the different things that I know you two have experienced in the time that we've known each other and even the stuff that you've told me before. And I wonder, she's one of the smartest people I know. She's going to say a gang of shit. It's going to sound beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's going to sound eloquent. Mm -hmm. It's going to make all of the sense in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's going, some of it's going to be full of shit, too. Mm. So 
I just want to make sure that we clear right, we, right. on it. And, and so I'm trying to be mindful of what parts of it. Well, right. I got to be lost. I was lost I'm when trying she was to talking be about the dog. joint pulling back. I'm, I was like, listen, oh, shit, that's crazy. I am blown away. That's crazy. So I'm sitting here, and I'm trying to think about what parts <laughs> do I want to poke a hole at. Because I got, because I got, because well, I, got, I got data. <laughs> this isn't, I mean, none of this is mine. Right? I'm fucking like, with you. No, 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 but none of this is mine. I'm not, I didn't make up the idea of everything that I've just said. It's not, like, I, the schools of thought that exist in the world that I've been a student of, like, that's And like I'm we saying. always say, it ain't necessarily like, we ain't there, but we could still have these sorts of aspirations and how we view things, right? Right, so, and, and that's what, and I want to, you know I love you more than anything. That, that's He's a about to, All right, it's that's such a setup. Set no, no, no. I'm just saying. So, w- what we do, a part of what we do here, in that you know, is we also challenge. If you hold something up and you say this is a diamond, I might poke that motherfucker and be like, Nah, that's marcasite. <laughs> and then we then we gonna have to have a conversation about why I think it's marcasite. <laughs> now. And then you might be like, oh, yeah, I pulled the wrong one out of my pocket. Here's the diamond. <laughs> but we'll at least, you know, if we hold it up, we got to at least yeah. talk about it. Um, mainly for just, like, an understanding. Because a, a, a lot of what um, I have found in this, in this podcast experience for me is going back and watching myself talk about these certain things and then respond or react or get a or get a um a rebuttal from him about something because th- th- there's there's healing in watching yourself have these conversations about these things that we really rarely do and sometimes the people we love the most see us in a way that we don't see ourselves and when we record this shit we actually sometimes if if it's if you're looking at it with the right lens and not being critical because it's you know, the people who love us aren't, when you've called me out on stuff, it's not because you're being critical. It's because you love me. It just so happens to land, like, in a critical way. And sometimes when I see myself on the thing talking, I'd be like, damn, okay, I see that piece. So that's what some of it is about when we're talking, too. So I, when you were talking about winter and spring, I know both of those sides to exist within you as, as a person. My question to you would be, how do you determine when you need to be one or the other? And do you have any processes in place that helps you overcome whatever that challenge is that pushes you to take the path of least resistance as it mm. relates to it. Mm. That's a universal question. Yes. Mm. Um, when I'm in winter, I'm often writing. And I often don't know what I'm about to write about. I've been a journaler for a long time, so it... <laughs> Shout out to who? No. he's wanting to point fun at a store we visited yesterday that focuses on organizing and i got a little excited about what i saw and way way corny for those of those of your fans listeners that like organizing it is 
it's a gift. It's a treatment. It's like you can change your store? whole life. Oh, it's Erin Condren's store. I didn't know it existed. The what? You wouldn't know who it is. She provides organizing You know why solutions. you wouldn't know? Because you're a man. <laughs> is, she, is she has a store? She has apparently three, and one of them was this not area? too far. One's in Fairfax, bro. When we uh, went to the store. She lost her shit. She's calling people. She's going in there. I'm annoyed to the 20,000th level. You went in there annoyed. Because of how she's reacting. <laughs> no, no, no. But yesterday, it. if it was yesterday, you went in there already. Right. Oh, yeah, I left that. annoyed. <laughs> but, I, but I got better. <laughs> so you too soon, already. dog. Too soon. <laughs> right. Sorry too soon. That. My bad. So we go back to, and, and that's maybe why I'm so excited about things like journals, because it has been a balm and a salvation. Like, it's gotten me through some things. And I get stuck a lot. Okay. I get stuck a lot. I get stuck in the point where I'm like, man, I'm watching people that do what I do and they're living differently than mm. I am, right? Yeah. <laughs> or I'm watching people do what I do and they're not stressing as much. Or like, I think I can do this. I just don't know when I'm supposed to do this. Or mm. Who wants for me to do this? And so um, the winner for me, it's been as of late, giving myself permission to be okay there that place where it's like just sit with that is that, so is that because when you normally sat in that place in the past there's been a lot of judgment about being in that place on me yeah 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 on you yeah. from okay. you from me from you right <laughs> yeah like on you from let's you. create right. shame around da, 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 okay. da, 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 right which I is kind of what we was talking about yesterday yeah okay so so what's the so you know i know that i get in those spaces too and um I don't know if I feel st well stuck, maybe the word a little kind of like spinning my wheels is another like you're just sitting in mud and your wheels are just spinning. You don't really don't know. So you end up not doing nothing. Um, and but you said like winter being like a time to sort of wait, sort of mm -hmm. kind of pause and kind of what's the difference between in your mind between that and being stuck? Like the conscious saying, okay, I'm just going to sit still for a minute and, you know, whatever. Right. So As opposed to I'm trying to do something, but I sure. can't get out of where I am. Um, that usually happens when I'm coming out of winter into, into spring, right? And so spring is this action. Which one? When I'm the stuck part. So it's okay. kind of like this place where I've had the, I've had time enough to be in winter. Right. 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 Now you've got some muse. Now you've got some focus. Mm. Now you have a direction. Now you have goals. Right. And it's time to act. Right. I'm like, yeah, let me go clean the house. <laughs> let me go join a class, yeah. join a program, yeah. teach a kid, let get me a degree, get another degree. <laughs> like that's where, right. When I'm what, supposed to be doing so that spring energy hits me, but it hits me in every other direction than what it is that I've just come out of winter on. So let me ask you this deep question because I've done that too. Right. Uh, but mine, like, and again, I'm like awareness of the bullshit is really, like, you know, part of it. Yeah. Mine is because I always have this voice in the back of my head that back to the judgment thing. I said, man, you can never do that shit. What the fuck you, you can't do it. What the fuck? Who the fuck you think you are that you can pull that shit off? You better go back to what you know and sit your ass over there and do that. That ain't this, this big shit you trying to do. Yeah. You ain't never, you can't pull that shit off. So then That's you it. say, uh, uh, subconsciously, you say, let me go back to 
to doing that shit. And we you go back never to being small again. Exactly. You never sort of step up to this in the winter. You know, the universe is setting up this plate for you to eat from, this big ass abundance, and it's waiting for you to go to it. But because that voice stands, this fake ass voice that is just a voice yeah. stands in front of you and says, nah, yep. you you cower to it as if it's in any way has any power at all, and it doesn't. All you gotta do is walk through the vapor that it is and get to that abundance, right? Have you ever? Have I ever? This is like every day, every thought, right? So this is why I love writers. This is why Zora Neale Hurston and Baldwin and Audrey, whomever you look at in our history, of, that I'm like, I marvel at what they were able to do with what they had. Like yeah. Zora was like, I'm not going to cater to you and write in a way that serves you. I'm going to listen to my people as a cultural anthropologist and write the way they talk. Right. And over and over again, not just once, not just, but over continually. Yeah, I'm going to tell our stories in our voice. And there not only was her mind likely someplace going, do you think you can do that? Right. right. But the world was telling her, yeah. no, 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 yeah. no. This is not what sells. That's yeah. why her last book just came out when three years ago. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Shit, I don't know. I don't know. You know <laughs> I think you're talking about when did it come out three years ago? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, two and a half. I, I think don't getting it published was so difficult. Um, yeah. That and it, for me, it, it's been. I had to finally realize that that's what shame is. Yeah. And. Yeah. What is the liberation from that? Right. Like. And the wild thing is shame. The reason why we accept shame from other people is because it's so familiar to us. Because that's the voice that we use to ourselves. We know so that if, if we didn't use that voice to ourselves, if somebody else said you can't do that shit, we'd be like, the fuck are you talking about? Of course I can. You and when we saying? hear that voice it. towards someone else, how irate do we get? Yeah. 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 Remember, That's crazy, too. Yeah. I remember being with these brothers. Uh, we were in another homeschool collective, and there were oh, so much audacity to the situation. But we were on a trip, and the, the short of it is that the only fathers on the trip were three black men, and we were with a smattering of other folks, right? But someone in that space, when they got angry about something that was overblown in my judgment, said to these three black men, shame on you, and I lost my shit. <laughs> and I okay. said, and I was like, how dare you speak those words to these three fathers that are showing up for all of our children, right? And it was like, I could feel that voice is familiarity and exactly. I would not allow it in that space. But right. for me, yeah. that voice comes up and I it's coddle regular. it and hug yeah. it and yeah, exactly. give yeah. it a drink and buy you a dinner. And right. You sit with it. Yeah. Over it. So the question is like, how do we, how do we move past that? And there's all these like, like programs and yeah. all these seminars you can take. And, da, da, da. and I actually think, um, you know, the conversation that everybody's been in that I hear a lot about is this vulnerability piece, right? Like, when I realize that I'm not alone in the mm. conversations that I'm having, mm -hmm. there is some peace there. Yep. Strength and that too. shit loses power. Yeah. It, it does. And the minute I, the minute you say it and you give it, and you, and you, it's like a release. Yeah. It's when like a gremlin in what, like sunlight? Yeah. <laughs> right? It, Don't they like start to scatter or yeah. whatever? That's how it feels. Because I feel like the more, at, at least for me, like how we do it. I just, 
I stop judging the shame. To me, that's the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To stop judging the shame. Yeah. And then to keep calling it what it is. Yep. Yeah. Keep calling it what it is. Yeah. And then it gets it gets it gets less and less and less. Yeah. And then as it's getting less, I'm actually looking for that opportunity to move. Step because over. the minute you move, yeah, you've created this new yeah. energy path. Yeah. That can actually because we've got to get in the habit of not judging the voice, right? But acknowledging it exactly, so that it loses its powder. Because because the judgment that we give to the shame, yeah. is actually what's keeping it yep. in its place. And we think that you know this shit is getting heavy, dog. We think that that voice is us, who we are, but that's really something that we're experiencing. And if we say that's just a voice, like if you're in a car pass, yeah. that's not. That ain't us. That's in your mind, but it's still in your brain. You know what I'm saying? That ain't you. That's just something passing through you. And you could say, that's funny. Yeah. That, that shit came up again. Yep. But, you know, fuck that. I'm going to do it anyway. Like, or whatever you, however you identify it and speak through it, but not, not, and for a long time, I always thought that that was me. Yeah. So when I felt that change, it was me. Saying you can't do the shit, not a voice from other bullshit that's happened to me 30 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Other motherfuckers who've told, you know, all of that crap that you bring, not recognizing that that's just that and you can hear it and experience it and then moves to continue to move forward. And it's not who you are. And this is why it's so important to speak life into our children, because their voice starts from our words. You said that, yep. Right? So, uh, you know, I think about, you know, you said in a moment it can shift. Like, I think sometimes the the fantasy is that transformation has to take this grand approach and be this big deal that takes a long time. Transformation can also be instantaneous. Yeah. Yep. In a moment you can change your mind and change that life. Your life, someone else's life, right? And it feels like (coughs) when we give it a name when we put ourselves in spaces to talk about it. We're like, I hope we're creating new ways for that tape recorder to play something different. Mm-hmm. Right. The same way that like we probably go hear motivational speakers <laughs> because you want to hear a different tape play. Yeah. In your mind. Yeah, yeah. 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 We were yeah. talking yesterday about the TED, TED, TED talk stage. And I was like, you know, those people go up there and they tell these stories they don't always do a good job. Mm-hmm. But you know what they did? They did they it. They did it. Right, they did, they they did, did it. it. Right. Right? They, right. They all had that voice somewhere back. And that's with anything. Like, how do we continue to do it despite? And it's like the larger the platform, the greater the yeah. risk. Yep. Right? And, 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 the, and I was telling her yesterday, my reaction. So, I hate my smile, bro. And I have issues with, like, self uh like image issues, yeah. like with the way that I look. Sometimes I look in the mirror and I'd be like, damn, you are obese, motherfucker. And I literally like see that. And, and one of the ways I actually fight that, and it, people on the outside wouldn't know it, is like when I post a video on Instagram, yeah. and I'm actually taking the time to show my face yeah. and to talk, all I see is my teeth. 
right. on them videos. Yeah. I can't even see what I'm saying. <laughs> but all I see is my teeth. And right. so, like, I have these small instances where I'm proving to myself mm-hmm. that I can overcome this. Now, on the outside looking in, it might be small. It right. might be, they might not even notice it. Right. But these small little moments, and I think we all have these things that we that we know we struggle with. Mm-hmm. That So, going and doing a TED Talk could be a grand one. Right. right? That could be a grand one. That's huge in the grand scheme of things. Might be having a conversation with somebody. Right. Might be forgiving somebody in this area over here. Right. Might be something that only you know what the actual struggle is. Right. And then the more you do that over and over and over again, yeah. like the other shit, when you get to the quote unquote big shit, the TED Talk type yeah. shit, it's yeah. just like, it's light work because yeah. you've been, you've knocked down, you've proven to yourself so many times. Yeah. And the thing that I love about, and I keep, this podcast is us. Like it, it, it's it's got a name on it and shit, but it's like really like like who we are. Like this is gonna last longer than we ever will. Yeah. And I get to prove to myself on a frequent basis. And I was having a conversation to him. We've chosen. We've chosen to put ourselves out into the world in a way where we get to see what our level of effort is. We get to see on a regular basis how fucking slight we are, <laughs> the areas where we shorted each other, where we shorted ourselves. And it almost has like this built-in um, um, evaluation that we constantly get the feedback. And, and I think I ch- chose to do that subconsciously in a way to where it's like, I'm not going to be uncomfortable. For too motherfucking long. Right. We're gonna get this shit right at some point in time. Might be 58 episodes, might be 237 episodes, <laughs> but whatever the motherfucking number gonna be, right. we're going to get it right because right. we've chosen this path. And a yeah. part of chosen is choosing is not giving up on it. Right. What's right, right. for you? Hmm? I'll know when I see it. It's like when I make Ain't music. That wild? It's a it's 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 a it creates. It's like sometimes some days I wake up or when I look at a sunset or there's certain things that I look at that creates a picture in my mind that resonates like truth or like like when you like the thing that you said yesterday that was right. I don't know how it just poop <laughs> the ordinary <laughs> things and I our first one was right. I can, I just when I when I when I hear a song like some Stevie Wonder songs just right. I can't tell you why it's right. I just know that that shit's right. And and I and I am pers- I am in pursuit of that feeling. And maybe and, and that's just where I am now. Maybe I'll get to a point to where I'm not in pursuit of it anymore. And I think I'll be okay with that too, but it's one of the reasons why I like to create. It's one of the reasons why I like to talk. It's one of the reasons why I like to share because like creating Creating that image in my mind and that feeling is maybe living will be just enough at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part, I mean, part of the, speaking of the first joint, part of the process, part of getting to that is the process of getting there. Like all of that 
uh, and this, we talked about this too, all of that is part of the perfection of it, of getting to that space. It's all, because we couldn't get to wherever, you know, wherever we need to get to without being wherever we were getting <laughs> yeah. to, right? There's no space. It's not like we're going to plop down one time and be like, okay, yeah, this is it. It's all part of the process. It's a culmination kind exactly. of. Yeah. Exactly. And that, again, dog, that couple things you said the kids thing we instilled these voices man i, I think it's i don't know if it's pre well i think black well because of my you know my focus is black parents we do struggle with that uh that voice that we give our kids uh malcolm black malcolm gladwell wrote in one of his books i can't remember what it was and he talked about how some kids their parents teach them how when they talk to adults, doctors, et cetera, they get to really say what they think and what they feel. But some we're taught this respectful thing of, you know, don't speak unless you're spoken to and don't, you know, you have to mind what you say around adults. But some kids feel like themselves enough, they're instilled with this sense of self that they can say, hey, this is this, I don't like that. That's, you know, whatever, that's whatever. But it's not coming from a disrespectful place. It's just coming from a place of this is who I am and how I get down. You know what I'm saying? But some are taught, like, you know, be quiet unless you're asked a question. And that becomes your voice. And that's one of the things I respect. Me and you had a conversation. I, know if you, I don't know if you remember this. You were like, I am raising world-changing boys. And I have to build into them dissent, confrontation. Yes, yes. And, and you were saying at the time that I have to, as the parent, expect that sometimes I'm going to be the receiver of that because they're not going to necessarily be able to determine when and how, like if you're going to, if this is who you're going to be in the world, if this is what I'm raising you to be, right. then some of that shit's going to reverberate back to me. And you were like, I've got to be mindful of the, to the point. Like, don't be the, don't necessarily associate and assign it to, you know, a reflection of how they feel about me as the parent or what my role is. Right. This, this is just who I'm trying to raise and the, 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 the attributes that I'm trying to put into my children, because that's yeah. a very specific thing. If, yep. Do you want to raise a Malcolm X? Or do you want to raise a Martin Luther King Jr.? Right. The parenting style is going to be different. It's not wrong either way, but I feel like there does have to be some intention if you're now, and as I just said that, I feel like an asshole because <laughs> What if you're trying to raise a Malcolm X, but they actually Martin Luther King? So just take everything. <laughs> I was going to offer this. Um, I think about like this idea of respect and like black parents have this respect thing. Like, yeah, we've you know, been on you that. Know, you know, I've never met a black kid tell their parents, I hate you. Right? Like it's not conversation yeah, that is yeah. going to come in our houses. But nope. um, my mentor, when I was working, uh, with youth specifically in developmental spaces had this story and I don't know where he got it from, so I can't attribute it, but he was talking about um, a black woman, and a white woman on a subway train with their children and the black child is sitting next to mama, right? 
respectfully quiet, you know, maybe looking out the window, maybe they're having a small conversation. And the white child's mama's sitting here, and they are on the rafters, mm-hmm. hanging, yelling, running up and down the aisles. Mm-hmm. And the black mama turns to her child and says, what? You know better. Don't you even think about yep. it, right? You know better, yep. right? Like, whatever thought you have about what you see is not even in your realm of possibility. Right. So what is that white child thinking? The world is my playground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. She's though that mama's saying my child is safe. He's fine. He can go and act crazy, right? For that's yeah. really what's happening. But we <laughs> live in universes, yeah, like that. Where yeah. say I want to be that mama. I don't. That's not my universe. I right. I have to. There's the duality of my child has to know yep. that's still not the space for you to be in. Yep. But like, where do I get to then build in? Here's what you get to do, right? Like. Right. Here's how this becomes your playground, right? right? Because the part we get stuck on is that we stop at the don't you even think about it, mm-hmm. but then what is the possibility? Yeah. But but why but why is that? Why can't you just the, the, that it that's that's what the the child gets to do whatever should be whatever what the child well, does. I'm talking about the implication of like so say the next stop um pat- the patrol people come in, right? <laughs> Who's gonna get pulled up first, right? Who's gonna get in trouble? Who's gonna get told? Like so, like like black parents, we're always thinking thirty steps down the line. Yeah. But the parent, the white parents, just going, my kids can hang and off the rafters. And you know, we exist, man. We exist in spaces of as black parents, uh, spaces of I don't know where this come from. It maybe come from our parents. Like we have to be a certain level of restrained and a certain level of uh, like don't like our res- our goodness is measured in how like we fit into this very quiet. We're not going to cause too much trouble. We're not going to do too much crazy stuff box a lot of times as as young kids. Right. Our we're seen as good if we sit quietly. Mm-hmm. Not as if we're just exploring the world and seeing what's what. Like I've seen parents, kids just playing too much, like on a playground, feel like that they have to sort of rein them back yep. some from just playing. Yeah. You know what yep. I'm saying? Be yep. so and I don't know whether that is uh a remnant of how we were sort of having to be sort of you don't want to stray too far because over there, something that you don't want to experience. You know what I'm saying? But From our grandparents and great-grandparents and how they had to exist in this in this space. There is also an idea about how church has raised us to sit quietly in school. You sit quietly. So there's an idea that that's good. But how long are we going? So you just said with the people coming on the next train ride, right? Or the next train stop after and stuff. I want to be clear. You are the mom that lets them motherfuckers do what they want to do. I'm on the, the mom that if we are in an empty train, have fun. That's the mom I am. Okay. And when folks start to Now, come when you say door, empty, you mean nobody on the damn train. I mean, if there's somebody on that side, I might say, you got these five aisles right here. Like, I'm not... Because I, I, your kids are free. My kids have boundaries. Yeah, but they're free, though. Freer. 
freer. The, I mean, everybody got yeah. boundaries. I mean, the, the 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 free black child is like, it is the pinnacle, right? This is what we want to see. We want to see our young people free to express themselves, free to know who they are, free to traverse the world, tra- free to experience other worlds, right? Like, do you yes. feel you did that? Do you, do you let me rephrase that? Do you feel you are doing that? I wake up every day and hope that there's some investment that I'm making and the choice that I'm making that gives them that space, sure. Am I always doing that? Hell no. So, well, well, no. I mean, 100%, that's just math, right? But it is logic. <laughs> so, I struggle with everyone else. I struggle with that every day, all yeah, the time. Yeah, there's a balance. But, but, but that's what, so, a balance. so she thinks, let me rephrase that. I watch other people and think, let them be unsafe. Let them, my goal, my thing was, you climb that tree, don't ask me for help. You got in there, you can get out of it. Bro, so this is what I'm saying. You got though. in there, get, get out of it. I'm not helping yeah. you. So she's got the, you she's fall, got you the fall. thing. Her, <laughs> you learn. The, the, see, that's intentional. It's intentional. That, that's, it, it, it's, it's not like she's, and I'm not saying again, it's not 100%. It's, 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 it's logic, it ain't math. Yeah. So, You've got a way that you're raising and that you've said, I, because it makes me uncomfortable. It used to make me uncomfortable being around your kids. Because <laughs> they ass be all over the place. Even in the general context of like, they too far down the road. Well, too, well, that's what you think though? No, but because well, my I'm mother using, would be very angry. That he's too far. I'm, I, like, I'm I using him. your logic right. about the framework. Yeah, right. And she's got this, she's expanded her her boundaries her boundaries right to create a pretty good damn feeling of free for a kid so they're just beyond what your boundaries are way beyond but they're still boundaries of course there's a <laughs> yeah bro there's but, a life see, is about boundaries dog, but, what, but what i'm saying there's is some kids that have no boundaries that's not true they still got boundaries i'm telling you they don't they're bigger than others but see that that doesn't mean that that's responsible I want to make so 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 there is a level of what I'm what I'm saying is which you were making a statement which was you were making a statement which was the kid on the train you are the mom who would let your kids play on the train with a hell of a lot more than nobody but y'all on the train I'm I'm the mom that would not turn and say know your place but that also wouldn't say this is your playground. I'm the mom that might say, "How many pull-ups can you do?" See, but, but how, many pu- how many t- how many pu- how many pull-ups would you would your mom ask you to do on the train? Shit, zero. So, so this is <laughs> I what dare I'm saying. You get your ass up. So there, but see, even mine though, I would like my boundaries are in that realm too. Like, I want you to be free to do to to enjoy your existence. More so because I know how it is to be like, no, you sit still. That's what you're supposed to do, right? So I want you, I want to expand those boundaries enough to be like, go do your thing. But not to, my, my, my thought is I don't want you to infringe on what's happening to other people because you don't know whether they want that infringement. But, but so if the train is crowded, then I might not be like, it, you can't And here's no the part. other part of that story with that boy who's running all over and jumping He's on He's jumping things. on people, all on people's he shoulders. He goes later into relationships and work dynamics, and his idea is I can do what I want to do. But hold on. So That's, so, what I, that's the freedom I've been given. I get to do what I want to do. At the expense worked, of everybody. So, with that person. But that's not an expense. If a little kid 
hops up on me on a goddamn train and I don't like it, what you I'm kicking do? his ass off. What you mean you kicking him off? That's the react. Listen, every action got a reaction, bro. But it, but he's going to think that you're the villain, not necessarily that he did something wrong. That's just, the point I think So I'm going to, he's going to know he did something wrong because I'm going to tell him he did something wrong. And <laughs> I'm going to tell his, his but mama. his mother is supporting something different. And so they walk away going, so, that mean old, bad black, old black man. Dude. So in life, you will, so you, you, got, you got two different kind of teachers. You got the kind of teaching you get at home and you got the kind of teaching you get in public. So, But what reinforces for that boy his choices more, that one interaction with you or all the confirmation his mother and his family keep giving him about what, how he What would you say? Change can happen quickly. <laughs> he may think twice next time he, he sees might, this right. situation. So, right, but, but, yeah. that's, but, that's, but and sometimes the parent gives the kid but the our room. point is that the consequence coming for you, though it could be impactful, isn't the same thing as how he is being nurtured around how he interacts with the world. Right. So nurturing is a so uh, and and, the, and I think the point that I make because you're right, there is a distinction between like how you're being nurtured versus like how you're being allowed to kind of show up. Right. And because those are, I feel like those might be you know different things. I think I'm speaking more in a broader context, which went back to us. I want to see us get to a point where we're not, where, we're, where we as a people are removing fear as much as possible. There is an element of what we are experiencing that is related to us directly. What do you mean fear? Being, or, or like on some racial shit. So I'm not going to do this because what will happen if it's a black boy doing that? It's going to look different if because it's a white boy doing that. And because subconsciously, I feel like we're transferring that down into the kids in some way, shape, or form. So I want to remove, I would want to remove ideally, right, the fear of him feeling like he has to do something different because he's black. And I don't necessarily have to say that that's the reason why he has to do something different. But it could be something that he picks up on in like either a nonverbal cue or making a correlation between something else or seeing something else. So if we can remove the fear, just be like, hey, man, just go ahead and figure it out. If you stumble, you stumble. This is why homeschool parents homeschool, because most of the indoctrination and the propaganda around how to be is going to happen in the classroom. It's going to happen in the school where you're true. going to be told to sit down, sit still only speak when you're spoken to or asked a question. And any remnants of the free African child that lives in you is going to be um, stilled. You know, I there are little boys I've taught that did not, their bodies needed to move to learn. Yeah. Did they have to learn to sit and restrain and hold tight? Of course, that's a life skill. But when I'm working with you can you stand up and write sure yeah right mm -hmm. yeah can you and so now we have like <laughs> i was hired as a learning aide or learning specialist at one point and there was all these gadgets you had to give the kids to and there's they're helpful because of the way schools are set up these are the supports that they need things that help them tap things that they can and it's like Maybe if we just remove the desk, <laughs> you know, like my, th my thought is like, maybe if we take them out of these roles and out of these desks, they can actually be in their bodies and learn the way that they're supposed to do. Yeah. I, uh, I worked for a children's theater, man, back in the day. And, uh, we would take kids from local elementary schools or whatever. 
um, and bring them into this theater space and they would create their own plays. So we would give them a premise like, you know, a kid has to go through a farce and they would complete the play, music and all, right? So the, the, the dude who, who created this space understood that and he wrote a book called Kinetic Learning or he wrote a book about kinetic learning, meaning kids who have to move in order to learn. So he proved this point by, so when they were creating these uh, plays or the completion of these plays, right? It was just in a big open space with all these uh, uh, costumes and toys and shit everywhere. And uh, so you had some kids that would be running, jumping on a little jungle gym and they putting on the costumes, whatever. And then you have some kids who would sit and learn a song, right? But when it was old, when they had, when they, at the end of the day, you had to present, put on this play. The kids who were running and jumping knew the song intimately like the kids that were sitting still. So that proved the point that kids learn differently. I don't know if this is on a tangent, but kids learn differently. So that now you're in public school, now you got these little black kids, right? And, and, in the quote-unquote suburbs, it's looked at differently, kids who learn that way. Black kids in, in these, some of these other schools, it's approached differently. So now you got black kids who seen as having a learning disability or this ADHD thing because they have to move when they learn. So now they're labeled that. Now they've already shut down from school. So fourth grade, third grade, they're already, school is already... Uh, a problem for them. So they already checked out, right? But you got, you know, other kids who are in other places, they understand that. So they kind of give them those tools, yep. right? So the playing field is different. So to your point, for them, for us to try to shield them from the bullshit that's coming their way as best we can without telling them, hey, you're a black boy, and this is how you're going to have to be as a black boy, right? For us to shield them from that, it's a balancing act of, I want to prepare you for these things and how to recognize them, and, and then not having you be crippled by or hampered by them early. Let me ask you a question, bro. Y'all pay a lot of motherfucking money for your kids to go to that school, right? Right. Why wouldn't y'all put them in a black African center, like homeschool? Like, we we talk a lot about, and I'm just curious, this ain't no fucking criticism or nothing, but right. if a little black girl walked in here and she had a white doll and she had a mama, the right lens would look at that mama and be like, why they letting that little girl play with that white doll? Why don't she have a black doll? You have black angels. Only kid on the West Coast with black angels. Only one. But we see an issue with a black girl playing with a white doll, and we're like, okay, that, 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 that don't necessarily fit. But we let our kids go to these white schools and be taught by mainly predominantly white women, right? 75% educators are white women or whatever the case may be. What is it what you were a part of was some of the most beautiful shit I've ever seen in my life. I, I, I ain't never seen nothing like that before. And to know that that kind of environment exists for black people to put their kids in, I can't imagine why there wouldn't be like one 
of those in every motherfucking city. And to know that. So my question is, and I, 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 let me blow it out a little bit more broader as opposed to you specifically. I want to say first, most folks don't know that that it, that can exist, like the possibility of it existing isn't even um, available for most of us to think that it, it can be there. So do, do you think we know that homeschooling exists? I, I'd love to be a homeschool advocate, right? Like, I did it, I'm, I've done it, you know, I know tons of folks who are doing it, and I don't want to berate the parents who are like, how? I don't understand. I don't have the bandwidth for my child all day. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's literally, like, the life of, this is a great ideal, but I don't know how it would fit in my world. And, what, uh, and, and I don't know how it, what it would even look like. That, that's what a lot of parents were faced with when the pandemic hit, right? I'm suddenly home with my child. Yeah. And they ain't learning nothing from me sitting here in front of this computer. <laughs> and now it was like, oh, man, teachers. Woo! Finally, maybe we should give teachers some of the respect that they're due. And then it was like, I don't think I want to send them back, right? So, like, there's this huge sweep from homeschooling. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have to be berating, though, to just to, to, to highlight uh, uh, to highlight an area that I think... I don't want to say berating. I'll take it back. I don't want to create shame. But see, there's two... That's, that's, that's different. I feel like I've been the parent that went, I would do that if I, if I could. Yeah. We create shame. Could. We create shame for people who didn't vote for Obama. We create shame for people who voted, for black people who voted for Trump. We would create shame for a, a woman letting her kid play or her little black girl play with a white doll. We, we, we create, and shame might not even be the best word, we criticize each other all the time for all kinds of shit, the majority of it being superficial. The only reason why I'm bringing it up, A, is because we're talking about the whole element of homeschooling mm-hmm. and 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 how we're discussing imparting these voices in these kids that reflect them, that hold them up, that strengthen and nourish them in a way um, that these schools, quite frankly, the ones that we traditionally send them to, just quite quite frankly don't. So it's just, I, I, and, and I don't know if even having this conversation just even maybe even puts the thought into somebody's sure. head. Because I, I know a home, I got somebody, I'm going to leave it in a very broad context, <laughs> who's like, I can't send my kids to no school like that, man. My wife wouldn't be down for that. You know, they blacker than a motherfucking ace of spades. And they kid go to a fancy school, they pay a ton of money and all of this kind of stuff. And, and he's like, man, I would send my kids there, but my wife wouldn't even want to be down for it. I want to hear your answer, but then I'm also going to offer something too. Well, you know, uh, so we're talking about two different things. We're talking about homeschooling in that uh, environment, right? And we're I'm talking, talking about, about a black-centered school. An Afrocentric school. Yes. I, dog, I came up in, in those schools and those environments since eighth grade. I've been a part of the, in, in D.C., a part of the Afrocentric, Pan-African, every, all those, all of those, uh, for me, I wanted a balance between, and I felt like a lot, and my kids went to, uh, there was a church school that we sent them to early on that was all black. Out it here. Really, yeah, it really, yeah, it really approached it from a very black point of view, right? It was, it was Christian all the folk. teachers were black, uh, loving, loved on them, 
talked about them being black, presented them with being black, loved, you know what I'm saying? I mean, love these kids. I mean, they, the foundation of love that they got there carries on to this day, right? Um, but at a point, right, I felt like that there was a larger environment that I wanted to introduce them to. And, but still maintaining the balance of the, the Afrocentric perspective and point of view, Pan-African point of view, with, I want them to experience, I mean, these, some of these kids are, are doing robotics, are doing, are creating um, drones and airplane to understand aeronautics in the third, fourth grade, right? That's something I really wanted them to be exposed to. And, but there is a balance and there is a level of trade-off between the two. And also I'm making sure that I am still exposing them to very black, very Pan-African, very Afrocentric points of view and experiences and all those things. But for me, it was a choice of, of that balance. And for my oldest, who's, well, my middle, who's in high school, it was imperative for him, even, even though that school is primarily, vastly uh, white, the, the level of like the black parents the, the older black kids, they take care of each other in ways that I don't see in a lot of different places, right? The parents know them. With his first couple weeks there, every black parent in there who would come and get their kids and move around to school knows my son. And they know, and the older kids know him. They embrace him. They bring him along. They know, and that is something that was important to me and imperative to me in high school, in those high school years, to feel like he can belong somewhere without him feeling like he has to, he can be himself yeah. and feel like he's looked out for. That was the main thing. And feeling belonging is feeling like you're protected, like somebody's looking out for you, like you're not in this alone. So it was natural for me to then move my youngest there because now the older kids that are in the high school also know him. So, they, so you got black kids who are looking out, who see him and be like, what's up, Micah? And they're like, and he's like, oh, I know you know what I'm saying? And that creates something for me, too. Okay. And there was a balance between doing those and the other things for me. I mean, that's that was just a personal choice. And again, I'm pretty sure there are environments in these schools that create the same thing. But it wasn't it wasn't really quite what I felt like that they needed in the moment that they that they needed it. I mean, I think every parent wishes they could create the perfect scenario for exactly. their child. Right? This parent wants, I, I really want my child to be exposed to this. I really want my child to. And 99% of parents are doing the best they can yep. with whatever they've yeah. been dealt, mm -hmm. with whatever they've got, right? And aside from parental neglect, which can show up, a little bit easier than I thought before teaching. Right? Yeah. I really thought the parents will neglect looked this way, and then you get teaching, and you're like, you haven't sat down with your kid in three weeks and asked them what's going on or looked through their stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That becomes neglectful yep. for this emerging learner. Mm -hmm. um, so not willfully, spitefully, maliciously, but like, right. like we've got to be intentional in all aspects of how we are with our young people. So again, I'm 
not a homeschooling parent right now or anymore maybe like they may maybe you know they have the option like maybe the end of the year we reevaluate and wasn't it but right now I'm okay. Like I, I'm joining the PTSA. Yeah. I'm, you know, like I've walked the child to school. I've walked the, you know, forward, I'm yeah. forward, forward my administrator. Like, my yeah. kids are like, mom, adults, parents are not allowed in the school. And I was like, let's go see about that. Like, you know, let's wait till I get put out. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm, I'm going to yeah. you be engaged. I'm going to be engaged. Right. I've emailed all the parents and I don't, I'm not a helicopter parent. Right. You know, when, when I've done my part, you know, we've sat through, we've made binders, we've gone, because this stuff is like, <laughs> Taylor said to me the other day, I'm in honors classes. What are honors classes? <laughs> I just had to chuckle, and I was like, you're right. 15, figuring out what honors classes is, because we've just had the standard of excellence, no matter what you do, it wasn't yeah. like, now we're in this system. They just, they started testing, and, yeah. and I'm like, I don't care how you do any tests. That's not the measurement of who your intellect. Right. Go to bed, have a good breakfast, write down what you know. Yep, that's it. That's my goal for you. Yep. I... You know, I feel like about college, stop making college the mandate and everything else something you have to, um, that you were reduced to having to accept. Say that again. I wish we would take out the conversation and the pressure that college is the goal. Yeah. And these what young is the people, goal? Um, it could be a million, there's a million ways to kneel and kiss the ground. I hope parents pay for children to go to school and explore the different classes. You know how many classes are offered at colleges and right. universities? Yeah. If I knew I could go on to, that I that designing shoes was an option I had, right? right. Or that I could m build ch a chimney. Or, like, I love Tuskegee because the students built the school by hand because Booker T. Washington played the system created this institution, educated people, went to people's homes and said, you see all that land right there? Y'all eating what? No, we're about to build a, make a garden and you're going to live off of your land. You know, and it's like, give people the tools to be masterful with what they've got. Mm -hmm. Like, watch your children and figure out, like, hey, I saw you. My child sits, <laughs> no doubt, hours and hours a week and twirls pencils. Twirls pencils. And I learned, like, Eight years ago to leave him alone. Because mm -hmm. you know where creativity is born? In nothingness. Right. Right? In that space that you get to just be. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he's thinking about, but he he's just, and he sits like this, and he twirls his pencils. So the other day he goes, can you order me these? And so now we have like these, he has these LED lit, weighted, twirly things. And I'm like, I didn't know this was a thing, mm -hmm. right? But now he's interested in, and I, I keep thinking in my head, like, maybe he'll be a drum major. Maybe he plays the drums, and then they always up there. But I'm, that's me. That's me. He, he never even seen a drum major before, as far as <laughs> I know, right? So I have to sit back and go, whatever comes out of that. And nothing, yeah. nothing can come out of that. He, right. may, he may drop them pencils and never pick them up, but, like, he's sitting there with himself. And I know about my child, he needs some time and space. Mm -hmm. I know he wants to find, like... He was a kid that would find, like, if he could crawl in there when he was little and just be by himself for a while, he would. Mm -hmm. Now, I could have been the parent, like, get out of there. You need to. But I was like, that's his downtime. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let him be. And yeah. so I'm, I'm observing this part. And so I watch him now maturing into what's the next part of this. And let them be a little bit. Yeah. Let them breathe and figure some things out. And, like, the world we've created for young people, I couldn't have done it. Like, the pressure 
the discipline, the mounting weight. I mean, the pandemic is yeah. inconceivable. And it's pushing them early and earlier and earlier. So you From put knee 10 pressures. to 24, the yeah. leading cause of death of that age group is suicide. In this From country. what to what? 10 to 24 years old. The yeah. second, sorry, the second leading cause of, of death is suicide. What's the first? Diabetes? I didn't even look it up. You said diabetes. I didn't even look it up. One out of five children between five and eight is diagnosed with some type of mental something something. Like, when do we stop and say, like, I've always known what the solution is for, for us. Nature. <laughs> like, we're animals. Yeah. Animals took a while for outside. me to get that. Yeah. It's yeah, a, it, it, it I took mean, a I've seen that in you too. Like you, like I'm going for a walk, and I'll be like, outside, like <laughs> outside. You couldn't pay me to be outside, <laughs> and I couldn't have been more fucking miserable on the yeah, inside. Like, and I didn't even, I didn't connect the dots. We are wild, yeah. and yep. we live in 90 degree angles everywhere. What does that yep. do for how we think about things? Yep. I took my kids to forestry camp this summer. What the hell I know about forestry camp? Somebody called me. Hey, there's a camp. It's free if you get there in Alabama. I was like, you know where we going, y'all? They were like, here we go. I had them apply. And then what did I do? Do y'all need a counselor? And so I hustled my way into working there for the week. Best week of the summer for us. Yeah, you said that was nice. It was That's beautiful. Funny. And you know what I watched? I watched my son, who has been struggling, who had been struggling for nine months in the virtual world, we pulled out of the virtual world and said, look, we're going to go back to like the old school homeschooling. I give you a book and an assignment. And I watched him learn about trees and deciduous growth and like the, and he lit up and he sat out there. Which one is this? Olu. And I overheard him talking to, we brought along a, another sister of theirs um, from school and I heard him say, I need to get your notes. I didn't get all your notes today. And we would go inside and they would talk about um, co-ops and it was designed for them to think about um, not only the money aspect, but if you have cattle and sheep, and my kids didn't know about cattle and sheep, but they yeah. knew about the money and the power, the poweronomics of it, and yeah. these other kids that own cattle and sheep would, and I just watched this collaboration happen, and I watched every day he'd, they'd get up and run. You know, the, we're gonna, 5 30, 6 30, we're gonna go run, and then we're gonna go eat breakfast, and then we're gonna go out into the woods, and then we're gonna build a trap for boar, and then we're gonna go fish, and then we're gonna go, and I didn't have to ask those children to stop or to do or to, like, everything about how they operated for those five days was in alignment with who they were. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. That's awesome. And rare. And they were free on this land. We were on. Tell them about the one, dude, the, the, the one little boy. So there's this one, one boy from Mississippi. He's about 16 or 17. We got there on a Sunday night, and these two young men came that same night, and everybody else came the next day. And I said, okay, where y'all from? Ma'am, Mississippi, you know, and. I said, okay. And so we're eating breakfast the next day. And I said, well, how come you're here? Oh, I'm part of a forestry campus school. And I was like, forestry campus school? Okay, well, what do you want to do? I want to be a diesel engineer. And I was like, I don't even know that's a thing. You know, like, <laughs> I want to work on the trucks yeah. of diesel engines. Yeah. I was like, why do you know that at 17, right? So I said, oh, look at that beautiful lake. Now, this lake, now, this, this land is beautiful. It's amazing. It is black people, this federation. Uh, um, land cooperatives in Alabama, there's one in Mississippi, they help us keep our land, mm. right? And it, you go in and there's like black power fist and it's like, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is us, this is where we are. And so I'm asking this young man, what about the lake, you know? And he's like, no ma'am. I'm like, no what? And he's like, I don't go in the water. I said, well, we're gonna get some kayaks. I'd already asked the director, can we go on the lake? And they were like, I don't know. No one's ever been on the lake. And I was like, well, get some kayaks, we'll go on the lake. So he's like, ma'am, 
Only thing belongs on water is Jesus. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so the next day, the director goes, I'm getting the kayaks. And Shay, I said, okay. We go out there, me and the, the other young man is leading it, and we get these kids in the water. And everybody in the main office is walking out. And we can see, you know, you can tell we, you, something's wrong. I was like, oh, we in trouble. Well, the director hadn't told the main office that he was going to let us get in the lake, and they had never seen anyone use this lake. Now, what I tell you, this lake was beautiful. It was almost glass clear, mossy bottom, warm. And day one, we're in there swimming, snakes be damned. You know, like the next day I go out, who's in the lake? The kids Mr. from Mississippi. Mr. Mississippi. Later Mr. that S afternoon, who's in the kayak? The kid from Mississippi. I mean. What did he say about the dude? Didn't somebody, like, somebody get eaten by alligator or something? Oh, so I asked the lady who was, she brought all these skins and hides, and I was like, this is before we'd gotten in. I said, would you go in that lake? No, ma'am. And so she's got all these snake skins and telling all the different snakes that are there. I said, because the snakes. She goes, oh, no, because of the gators. And I was like, huh? You know, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, this is gator land. And I was like, oh, man, I'm over here worried about some snakes. And mm. sure enough, we had turned the kayak over, and I told the men, go kick that kayak over me. I'm not going over there, because I just filled a snake hole the day before. And later on, they were like, yeah, when we flipped the, the kayak over, there was a snake in there. We weren't going to tell you. I was like, see, I took. But fear could have kept us from having that moment. Yeah. Fear yeah. could have kept that young boy from getting on the water like yeah. Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I watched, there was about eight boys, 15 years old, out there being free. Nice. And that's what every kid, parent watches for their kid, right? Yep. Yeah, that's it, being free. Being free. Learning. I learned so much about all kind of stuff. I didn't know I was going back to school that week, right? <laughs> Couldn't tell you more about some trees around here than I ever thought I needed. To I had to tell her, man. She was in school so much, bro. I was like, he you can't go to go school ahead. no more. I told you, like, you can't get no, you can't go to school. You done with school. School's over. I'm not but coming no more graduation. School's also an escape from me having to deal with some of the realities yeah. I didn't want to. That's why I told her. Like, that's where you got to, you got to kickstart life. Full circle. Like all this, like all of this learning. Right. Yeah. Like you're doing too much learning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. In a classroom, in, in a, a traditional sense, right? Yeah. Also wanted to say. We're still recording. Pu publicly. Mm -hmm. Thank you for showing up for me, with me, for my leg and for my father. I want everybody in the world to know that you are beautiful human beings. And the way that you loved me and supported me in that way at literally my most vulnerable time and didn't want anything in return. I will never be able to repay you for that ever. And I've said it to you personally, but you know, just having an opportunity to say it out loud, I just couldn't, I, you know, to, so it never goes away. I don't know why I got my, so thank you. Difficult. <laughs> that's well, not, so not what I was expecting. Though. That, that me neither. Me but she, God. she ain't never lied. She, <laughs> and when she said it, it was the absolute truth, she, like off the break, bro. She, I, you I, are now. I know you were. <laughs> right. I don't want there to be confusion that it's always easy to show up for people. Um, I often didn't know what to do. Um, like the day you said you didn't need me. <laughs> And then you walked outside, and I was like, let's go. Yeah. And everything in you was a sense of, like, relief. You know, all I knew was to just keep showing up. 
my dad had passed or was going to. Yeah, he was going to. And I was going to the hospital and she was like, Do you want me to come you want me to come you want me to go with you? And I was like, nah, nah, it's but cool. The setup is that you had a shattered leg. Yeah. You were bedridden for some time. You were emotionally deficit. Um there was like it I hadn't known you that long, but I assume that in your life that had been one of the, the difficult moments. And you weren't I didn't know how receptive you would be to just being around another human, let alone in your space. Um, and this, the part of this story, it's that I didn't have anywhere to live, so I moved in with you. <laughs> and it worked out that you needed me, yeah. but I needed you just as much. So the other side of the thank you is that you took me in at your most difficult time and allowed me to show up for you. And you gave like the grace that you were in um, and the humility. Like we had a glass wall. This is where I slept. He had a glass wall that was fronting like a, it was a glass door that yeah, was fronting like, that a, was wall fronting like a wall partition. And here was his bed and the, the whole apartment was this space. Literally from here to there. And, <laughs> you know, and, and so we got to know each other intimately yeah. in a way that most friends don't. Yeah. And that day, my dad, the day that I was talking about with my dad, I told her no. <laughs> In that tone, too. And I'm, dry, I'm I'm leaving my house emotionally exhausted, bro. And I come outside, and she's literally just waiting in her car. And when I saw her, I just broke. And we got in the car and we went to the hospital. I don't even know if we talked much in the car, but it was just like, it was like, she's the kind of friend, bro, that shows up. In the way that you need, like she goes past all of your bullshit and just gives you what she knows you need and shows up in that way. And a lot of times now, like as me being a friend and trying to be to somebody, a lot of times I think in my mind, what would a Shay do here? Because then one day I showed up to your house and I was like, this is what she would do. Because I know like if I'm kind of like thinking it, thinking about it from like her perspective, she mm -hmm. was telling me about a scenario. I would ask myself, okay, what would she do in that instance? And then that's what I try to do. Yeah. Um, sometimes because that's just the kind of person she is. And I I think you spoke um, in a way that kind of gave people who are listening to this some insight into, you know, who you are. And um, and I'm just glad that we got an opportunity to share you in that way with the uh, with the world, because you you touch everybody you um, encounter. So hopefully, you know, people seeing you. Touch them in the same way you touch us. Thank you. You are more. <clears throat> you're more. And one of the biggest challenges I think we have here at the at, at sitting down is that we have so much of this self doubt shit and this shame. And um, 
I hope that as I trying to as I get a little bit better with managing that, um, I help you with yours because the world needs you in a lot more ways than you than you think. And I can't wait. You're perfect now. No 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 mistake about that. But um, that's spring. <laughs> that's spring. You know, since I turn you guys on in the TV, the YouTube channel, my mom will pass by and be like, can I just watch that anywhere? You know, like she's still figuring out what YouTube is yeah. and stuff. But um, and I just think it's so cool. We are thinking brothers being human. Mommy and I being me. It feels like as a sister, I can just be like a, a chair in the space, right? Like, not even a fly on the wall, because if you see a fly on the wall, it's annoying, you want it to go. But just like, I'm a chair, and I'm sitting in this room with you all and listening to conversations that you have. And it's like breaking points, you know, where you just have like, aha, or like, that's, you know, I don't know if you say like, you know, that's clean, or whatever, you know, whatever ways that, and then, you know, I'm learning how like brothers deal with parts that land. I'm watching y'all, you know, and so it's just, it's delight and it's a gift so I'm so I'm just proud of the permission y'all gave yourselves to show up this way we're all great we're all great appreciate you dog yes sir man we appreciate appreciate you Dada really man <laughs> when I first met her this is gonna sound crazy as a motherfucker. When I first met her, I thought her name reminded me of Idi Amin. I don't know why. And he had a name, like his, his like nickname was Dada. So when I call her Call me Dada. Dada is actually Idi Amin's nickname. That don't even I'm trying Here's to see the connection. I don't we just will never <laughs> <laughs> The gift is that. <clears throat> In Swahili, Dada means sister. Oh, we didn't figure he, that he out. He lucked out. Right. He that lucked was, out with that one. But, but, <laughs> the or, but the origin story is right. Idi Amin. Idi Amin. Maybe oh, it was loud. I don't Ish. I don't know. It, when I heard Ashe Arma, I heard Dada, which was, it, 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 and I got that name from Idi Amin. Cause his Wait name a minute, you Idi heard Amin. Idi Amin or you heard Dada? I heard Dada. And uh, Dada was like Idi Amin's <laughs> nickname or something uh, like that. It was like Idi Amin Dada or something. So I call it Dada. That don't even make sense. <laughs> and that shit's okay. crystal clear in my brain. That see, that's <laughs> that speaks to a lot of. It might have been like four years before I was like, Dada I means sister. This could work, you know. Because I'd be like Dada. Oh, just Dada, Dada, Dada means Idi Amin to right. me. <laughs> right, Dada don't mean it to me. <laughs> don't right. sister. Whatever you gotta do. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but thank you for, for, for gracing us with your presence. That's it. And uh, hope to have you again. We'll have you back. Yeah, for sure. Love you. Love, Love y'all. Thank y'all for coming. Yes, sir. See y'all. God bless y'all. Peace. Good night. <laughs>